How many of us know discipleship's messy? Anyone ever been discipled? Anyone ever done some discipling? Anyone a parent here? Try to look after your kids, try to raise your children. It's hard work. It's not clean. It's not easy. Everything isn't lined up the way we want it to. But discipleship is necessary if we want to grow in our Christian walk and journey and become more and more like Jesus. So today, we're going to go on a bit of a journey on understanding Peter. Amen? That impulsive, obnoxious, conceited, self-centered individual that none of us affiliate with at any point in our lives because we are KT members and we are godly and we are holy. Amen? But he went on a journey with Jesus. And I just wonder this afternoon if we can go on a journey. Maybe this morning before we start, you can start by thinking about where you are in your walk with Jesus today in relation to where you were. I can see a few aunties here on the front row. I'm not going to point them out. They would love nothing more than to grab a microphone, stand on this platform, and tell you who I used to be. (laughs) They have prayed, and they have prayed. It takes a village to raise a child, right? I mean, they're here on the front row, and they have uh, helped me and nurtured me and corrected me and encouraged me, and we all need that in our lives. But I just wonder today, if you, like me, take a moment to think about where you were and where you are, but for the grace of God. Wow. God's grace and his goodness is so clear and it's so rich in our lives. But I want to take us on a journey where I'm going to signpost four areas in Peter's life that I believe will help us grow in our discipleship journey. Number one, Peter was called and commissioned. Look at the person next to you, Katie, and tell them, you have been called, you have been commissioned by God. You can read that in the Synoptic Gospels, in in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, reads as follows. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon, his other name was Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets, and they followed him. First question, who here is happy for their life to be disrupted by Jesus? Put your hand up. I don't see all the hands up in the room. That's a code for everyone, put your hand up. We've got to be willing for our lives to be disrupted by Jesus. Peter was just doing his thing, fishing, looking after himself, fulfilling his responsibilities, and he left everything. I wonder if we're prepared to leave everything to follow Jesus. It says immediately he left, so there's none of this phone a friend, 50-50, I'm going to defer, or the good old Christian one that we love to roll out, I'm going to pray about it. You know that one? You don't even pray about it because what you're being called to do, you don't want to do. It doesn't fit with your current criteria. And therefore, oh, that doesn't, no, 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 that's not for me, that's for them. And so we defer. And I just wonder if we can realign ourselves this morning to recognize that each and every one of us have been called and commissioned. When you're commissioned, you're empowered. You're entrusted with authority and responsibility to do something. You think about a commissioner for a police force 
or for a borough or for a city. They have been given responsibilities that they and they alone can discharge. You and you alone have been given specific responsibilities to fulfill in your calling in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. And here's the best bit. Luke's gospel captures Peter's response. He says, no, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And then Jesus says to him, no, come, follow me. In verse 10, I will make you fishers of men. Can I remind you, KT, your sin and your shortcomings do not disqualify you from following Jesus and fulfilling the plan and purpose that he has over your lives. That is a lie from the pit of hell to believe anything from the enemy. You're called. You're commissioned. You've been set apart for such a time as this to go and be a witness for Christ. But I just wonder in this place, some of us have got habits, we've got some hang-ups, we've got some hurts from our past, and sometimes we use them as a foil to stop us fulfilling what God has called us to do. And I just wonder if we can learn to lay those aside today and we can fulfill what God has called us to do. It's hard, isn't it? But isn't it a privilege to serve Jesus? This is not hard work. We're not going to serve Jesus out of a sense of obligation or because it achieves something for our personal agenda. Isn't it wonderful that he attaches his holy name to us and he empowers us and says, go and make disciples of all nations. Hmm. I just wonder if we've lost our appetite, if our enthusiasm has been dented by our sin, by our struggles, by the things that can so easily capture our hearts and lives. Your sin does not disqualify you. I think it's also important to recognize that Jesus, uh, Peter sorry, was prepared to be used by Jesus. It says he, he just went. He didn't look for a job description. <clears throat> That's awkward. Because I sit there and I think in my own life in those early days, I'll follow you, but if it's inconvenient, I'm not going to do it. You mean I can't watch the football on a Saturday because we've got to do evangelism? No, nah, I'm not really into that. Oh, I can't. You want, you want me to give up 10%? No, 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 5%. That's okay. We negotiate. We barter with God. And yet he just says, follow me. And it requires a trust that goes beyond our logic, our human understanding, and what we are comfortable to do. Discipleship is a journey of progress, not perfection. If perfection was the goal, 99% of us in this room would never have started. And if you're wondering what perfection looks like, you can read it right at the end of the book of Jude. Last two or three verses, 23 through 25. On the day of your reckoning, he will present you spotless before the Father. Hallelujah. Not a day before. Not a day before. But progress is the goal. And I want to encourage us, KT, we've got to learn to move forward. We've got to fall forward. You know, you think about a house that gets renovated, you don't make any apology for the dust. You fall short, you're going to make mistakes, you're still going to sin. I'm an Arsenal fan still, 19 years saved, and i am still got that thorn in my side. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stronghold. <laughs> Joking. But seriously, we need to learn to move forward. And we've got to be willing to do it. Peter was willing to do it. He was forever falling forward, embarrassing himself. He was consistent in one thing. He responded decisively to the call. The word says that he walked away from everything immediately. So he left his fishing nets, his fishing boats. He left his community. He left his friends, everything. And he was the first 
disciple called by Jesus. Usually when something's first, it's most important. Usually. Which says to us that we are important to God. Amen? He went against the grain. You know, we've all got those friends that are impulsive. You know, those friends that wear the heart on their sleeve. They mean what they say and they say what they mean. I know it's not you, but for the benefit of your friend that isn't here. We've got those people in our lives and they are not backwards and coming forwards. They're decisive. They're clear. Good leaders are always decisive. They will bring order to chaos. And I want us to think about how in our hearts and lives, are we prepared to change the way that God wants us to change? Or do we want to change the way that we want to change at the pace that we want to change? Because often we want to negotiate. But I want to ask us a question. Are you prepared to follow Jesus today? Are you actually following Jesus today? The answer should unequivocally be yes, but frame it against Peter's experience. Here he is, he's an unlearned man, ill-disciplined man, probably fairly couth and obnoxious, and yet he's called to follow. And he does it. And there's a cost to following, which leads me to my second point. Jesus confronts and challenges Peter. Who here likes being challenged? Come on, particularly the aunties in your life when they tell you the truth and it cuts you know those friends that tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Those are not your friends. You need people in your life that are going to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Nobody likes being challenged. Nobody likes being confronted. Peter was miles off becoming the rock that Jesus wanted him to. He was not strong. He was not stable. At this point, he was still flawed and prone to failure. Isn't that our reality sometimes? That we still fall short. We still make mistakes. But... We can grow. But here's the key part. Most of us, if we knew the results or the consequences of our behavior, we would change. If you could see the totality of your heart attitude or your response to certain people or family members, work colleagues, and you saw the totality of that worked out, you would want to change. The problem is most of us don't see that, and therefore we have no appetite to change. Change is the only constant in life. You look at every season and cycle and area of your life, it's always changing. Thank God we have the one true constant. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes. His word never fails. We can stand on his promises. And I've learned in my own life, and it's been hard because there's people here in the room that have done this for me. Don't put your hand up. They've confronted me. And Jesus loves Peter enough to confront him because he doesn't want him to stay where he is. The true people in your life that love you, that see your flaws, they don't want to expose them. They want you to correct them. They want you to move forward from them. And actually, I've learned what you confront, you conquer. What you confront, you conquer. What you don't confront conquers you. That will have dominion and authority over you. But what you need to understand is you can overcome. The word of God says that we are more than overcomers. We don't just overcome, we're more than overcomers. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And you can read in, in Matthew 16, 21 to 23, Jesus is talking about his own death and how it's going to occur. And then in verse 22, I just go, ooh, face palm. Then Peter took him aside. This is Peter taking Jesus aside. 
and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. I want you to take a moment and picture this. This is the Lord Jesus Christ sharing how he's going to die, and Peter pipes up and starts telling Jesus, No, this is not going to happen, rebuking him, correcting him, and challenging him. And I'm sitting there thinking, You loudmouth, keep quiet. You've got nothing better to say, keep quiet. But haven't, you all, haven't we all got those friends that they, they, they think they've been helpful, but they're not? We've all got them. Verse 23, the words that we all know well. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now I sit there and I'm trying to be Peter now. And I'm thinking, you're trying to be helpful to Jesus, and you've just been called Satan. Get behind me. I'm thinking, this is super awkward. I don't want to be challenged and confronted. What is Jesus doing? He's not taking any nonsense. Jesus is showing who the authority is. Question, how do you respond when you're challenged? Were you like me back in the day? Teflon Scott. You could fire any bullets at me. Nothing would stick. Nothing would penetrate. Nothing would get in. Because I was never wrong. Have you ever been like that? You go through a season of your life where you're never wrong, even when you say two plus two is four or five. <laughs> See, I'm never good at maths. <laughs> and everyone is telling you, no, the answer's four. But your pride and your ego says, no, it's five. And you'll accept correction from some people, but not other people. You're never going to grow. If you're continually going to be offended every time someone challenges you or confronts you, you're never going to grow. And it's so convenient to be offended because it places you as the victim, which means you don't have to change. But isn't the goal of discipleship change? Everywhere, right the way through every environment where Jesus placed the soles of his feet and he brought discipleship and teaching, people changed. Isn't that our heart? Or is it change on our terms? That's not, that's not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to follow him. And here's the best bit. No point in this journey has Jesus rejected Peter. You ever had those friends where you're the person challenging them and confronting them in love? We all do it in love, right? It's never done out of like ego or I know better than you. It's always in love. And then they don't talk to you anymore. They delete themselves from the group chat. They sit on another different block in the service. Because you've offended them. You've upset them. And now they don't want to know you. They've rejected you. Jesus never rejects Peter. He's never going to reject you. Even when you make mistakes, even when you fail, even when you don't fulfill what he's called you to do, he still calls you to follow. Amen? Number three, corrected and changed. This is the tough part because we all want change, but we don't want to be corrected. But actually the order is that we need to be corrected and then we change. Can we become men and women of God this afternoon who fall forward? We want to show imposing faith. We want to demonstrate that we've got it all together. But actually, sometimes Jesus needs to correct our thinking and our logic before we can move forward. Matthew 14, 22 through 31. We know the story well. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, 
because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out to the Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So he walked on the water, but then he took his eyes off Jesus and onto his problem. There's a lesson for us here. Don't take your eyes off Jesus, amen? Keep your eyes on Jesus, not on the problem, and you will be absolutely fine. The most mature, spiritually grounded Christians are those that can go through all the challenges that life brings, but not be deterred. Even in this story, Jesus saves Peter of little faith. He steps in. You read it, verse 31, immediately. Jesus wants to step into your problem immediately. He's not, he's not going to delay his desire to step into your situation. But what Jesus is trying to do to Peter is to correct his perspective, his focus, his attitude, and his thinking. Amen? And that is a process because we become entrenched in what we think, in what we believe. We become hardened in what we actually think is right and good and healthy for our lives. And when somebody comes in and says, hey, I've got some stuff that I think is really going to bless you and breathe health and strength and purpose into you, we're resistant to it if it's not compatible with what we currently enjoy. But actually, when we open up our hearts and we're able to filter everything out so we know what's good and we know what isn't, we make progress. Now, the other side of the coin is, hey, Peter stepped out. It's interesting, isn't it? All the disciples were there. One made a comment, Peter. He's always got a, he's always got a view. He's always got something to say. We've all got that friend. You probably think it's me, right? That's fine. <laughs> but what did he actually do? He stepped out in faith. And I sit there and I think to myself, how many of us have stepped out in faith thinking, oh, I'm going to do this. don't really want to. Don't really, okay, I'm going to do it. And the second you step out, the first thought is, when is it going to fail? It's that moment it's going to fail. God is pleased by our faith. God wants us to enlarge our faith, enlarge our trust in him. Have you ever taken steps and then began to doubt? Focus on Jesus. Now, Peter also knew that change was coming. God, Jesus was correcting him, so Peter knew that change was coming because he knew that the more time he spent with God, the more intimacy he would develop, the more he would become like Jesus. Isn't the goal of that discipleship for us that we become more and more like Jesus? There's no coincidences. There's no discrepancies in the Bible. This is the living word of God. It is infallible. Amen? Amen. The first words declared to Peter by Jesus, follow me. The last words in John 21 that Jesus says to Peter are, follow me. And there's a whole lot of stuff that's happened in the middle. Wherever you are in your journey of discipleship, you will always be called to follow Jesus. Yeah. Every single day, every single season, every single moment. Yes, in spite of your sin and your shortcomings. Me too. In spite of where the days and the weeks and the months where you're like, oh, I'm struggling. I can't find God in my mess. He's still there. He's still calling you. Follow me. Trust me. Abide in me. Learn from me. And I think that's really encouraging 
for us today. God's heart and desire is that we never deviate or deter ourselves from following him. Those words, follow me, will echo in our ears until we reach eternity. Amen? And even Peter is smart enough to recognize this. He tried to imitate Christ in every single part of his life. And then Jesus restored his identity. Matthew 16, verse 18. We sung the song earlier about how we're going to build the church. He says, and I, I, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus knew the, identi- the destiny of Peter. Can I encourage you, KT, this morning? Jesus knows your destiny. He knows what your plan and purpose is for your life. He knows your plan and your purpose. And that led to Peter becoming my fourth point. He became convinced and convicted. Evidence for that, you can read it right the way through the book of Acts. Peter went all in for Jesus. Sold out. He wrote two epistles. You can see him preaching in Acts 1. He becomes even bolder in his preaching in Acts 2. He declares he's a bondservant. That's where he gets to. He even gets to a point and a place in his life where he's happy to go through the trials because the suffering is parallel to what Jesus went through. This obnoxious, conceited, selfish individual has been completely transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, by Jesus never rejecting him, by Jesus continually accepting him and pushing him forwards and affirming him to fulfill the plan and purpose for his life. KT, the same offer is available to you today. The same invitation is open to you today. The transformation is clear that Peter had become everything that God had called him to. Why? It's found in 1 Peter 1, verse 3. This is what motivated Peter. The living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He became so convinced of not just who he was in Christ, but who Christ was in him, that he had a conviction. When you have a conviction to something, you hold firm to it, irrespective of all the evidence that might be to the contrary, to all the failure, to all the hurt, all the rejection, everything that might fly in the face of it, you hold to it. I just told you I'm an Arsenal fan. (laughs) We haven't won the league in 20 years. I'm still an Arsenal fan. I'm holding to that conviction. What are you holding to today? What is your conviction in? I mean, it's in more than that as well, by the way. (laughs) Not just... His conviction never wavered. Even in trial and stress, he matured in God. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In all this, greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may suffer all kinds of trials, they have come to prove the genuineness of your faith, of greater value than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor where Christ is revealed. Our conviction is in the living hope of Jesus Christ. That is what is going to be tested. And that gets us on to the final chapter of Peter's life. He doesn't even want to be martyred the way Jesus was. A man who had his name changed. Who here is wanting Jesus to disrupt their lives? Who's happy to have their name changed? I quite like my name. Who likes my name? Who wants to change my name? I'm already stubborn on it, right? But you see my point? We have to allow Jesus to totally disrupt our lives. 
We cannot sit there and decide we've got it all marked out and Jesus, you can come in and modify here and maybe a little bit, little bit of adjustment there. No, 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 he's in charge. We line up to him, his plan, his purpose for our lives. That's what it means when we follow. We're following. We're not walking next to, we're following. Amen? But all the way through Peter's journey, you can see Jesus' fingerprints. Consistent. Nowhere through there does Jesus reject Peter. Now I know, final point, all the theologians in the house are thinking, hey, he hasn't spoken about Peter denying Jesus three times. And you'd be right. I want to hit this one hard. I think it's abject that Peter's greatest transgression or failure is what he's known for. That's not your portion in Jesus' name. Your greatest habit, your greatest sin, your greatest shortcoming, that is not how you're going to be defined. You're made in his image and likeness. You're clothed in royal robes of righteousness. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you have a plan and a purpose. You are not defined by your biggest failure. And even then, Jesus restores, redeems, retrieves. And that's available to you this afternoon. That's available to you. And that's why I've not really focused on him denying Jesus. It happened, it's in all four Gospels. And I think it's in all four Gospels. It's one of the few parts of Peter's life that's in all four Gospels. And three of those four Gospels finish with these words. And I like Luke's version. He went outside and he wept bitterly. That got me thinking. I'm always thinking. And just in my own heart, in my own life, I sat there and I thought to myself, Friday and yesterday, when did I last weep bitterly? Not out of guilt, shame, condemnation for falling short, making mistakes, sinning, etc. But out of a deep conviction that I've not put Christ on display. That I've not done what I should have done. I've not said what I should have said. I've not stood up when I should have stood up. So it's not an emotional response. It's a spiritual response that says, I have need of you. And I just want to put that, lay that at your feet today. When did you last weep bitterly? This is not a fleeting emotion. It's birthed from the depth of his heart and belly that he's let God down. Maybe we're a bit more like Peter than we care to admit, huh? We fall short. We mess up. We get things wrong. But even in that, Jesus never rejects him. He's gone on a journey of discovery and growth maturity and the first words and the last words that Jesus says to Peter are simply this follow me and so where are you today on that journey have you stopped following Jesus have you taken your own route has life brought sufficient challenges where you no longer see the goodness of God in your life Right where you are, I believe we need to surrender afresh today. Some of us, we need to understand and accept that you have been called, and that calling demands a response. It's not a passive, engage, a, a, a fleeting thought. It demands a response. You've been chosen. You've been set apart. But maybe you've stopped that journey of discipleship because you don't like being confronted. Think of the psalmist, 
Search me, O Lord. Careful. <laughs> You've got to accept the results. And we won't do the searching if the results don't line up with what we want. Then we need to accept that we do need to be corrected. I tell you, I had a potty mouth, you know. Some of the aunties know. I had a potty mouth, terrible attitude. Conceited, arrogant, self-centered. I know you're sitting here thinking, no, 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 not this guy. But it was true. The hard yards in those early days for me. But I had to accept that I had to be challenged and confronted. And sometimes it's the people that love you the most that will be the ones right up in your face challenging you because they want the best for you. Jesus wants the best for you. As a result of that, you can be corrected. Your thinking, your heart, your attitude, etc. And then you're changed from glory to glory. Amen? Isn't that the goal? Isn't that why we're here? Isn't that why we come Sunday by Sunday? Isn't that why we go to our discipleship group? To grow? And then you become convinced and convicted where you're all in. All in. No matter the cost, I'm in. I want to get there. I'm a long way off, but I want to get there. How about you? 